Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. As New Zealand enters its second week of Alert Level 4, Chris Tennant-Brown is back to talk about what the lockdown means for the economy and companies we invest in, as well as ASB's investment team. Good afternoon, Christopher. I think uh, you're sitting at home in uh, Unihunga, aren't you? That's, that's right. This is uh, uh, nowhere near as cool as sitting in, in a studio. I'm in my, in my living room. And so uh, we might hear a few different sounds, like some cars driving by, maybe one of my cats coming in. I'm not sure. Exactly. And I'm sitting at home at, uh, in Stanley Point downstairs, and I've wear my um, son's Xbox uh, earphones and microphones, so I feel a bit like a gamer. Um, but uh, these are the things you have to do when you're in lockdown. And I suppose we're all learning to live um, in this very strange situation. And so we're trying to do this podcast remotely. So I'm at home, you're at home, and then the guy in the studio is at home trying to record it. So it may not have the, the awesome quality we have um, uh, previously, but we'll give it a go and, and see how we go. But we thought it was just important, I suppose, Chris, wasn't it, so that we sort of update customers on what's going on. It's quite a fluid um, environment we're living in at the moment, but uh, we thought we might tackle um, some of the some of the big issues. And uh, but ha- firstly, me, how are you finding working uh, working from home? It's really it's really interesting. Um, we still have regular team meetings. We get together and talk about what's going on in the economy. We're still doing our economic forecasts, and uh, so that stuff's the same. It's just that we're using all different sorts of technology to to do it. I could do with having a teenager to come and explain how some of these uh, <laughs> systems work from time to time. I'm hopeless with uh, with technology, uh, but I've got uh, an, an iPad, uh, my iPhone, my work laptop, all going uh, so that I can uh, talk and communicate with people on a variety of different channels and do the usual spreadsheeting that economists do to uh, to keep our forecast rolling. So it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to be doing same job from a completely different setting yes and it's good to hear that the spreadsheets are still working but uh, i'm the same i'm i'm probably on the phone more than i ever have been in my career i seem to be on the phone all day and uh, we're um we're working with things like microsoft teams and zoom and uh, uh you know the thing that's been really impressive is that the bank has moved like the majority of staff working from home uh the investment teams that uh work in the bank are all um working from home and actually are probably speaking more in this environment than they have done um, previously. And people like our um, advisors, so First Centiel, who do the asset allocation in Singapore, they're, they're working from home and all our underlying fund managers have um, put in place their, their BCP, their business continuity plans, and uh, are working uh, either remotely or in teams of A and B. Um, and actually, we've seen no... Uh, reduction in service levels at all. Our unit pricing is uh, is being done on time. Um, liquidity, which is always a, a concern maybe at, uh, at these times, is uh, still good. And I suppose it's one of the advantages of the way ASB invests money in good quality uh, companies that are on markets that trade. So uh, that makes it really uh, helpful for customers to know that their money's uh, their money's safe. But uh, what I'd um, maybe 
to bring you in, Chris, maybe we wanted to talk a little bit about this level four. So we we now understand level one, two, three, and four. We move from two to four pretty quickly. But what does level four in your eyes mean for uh, the economy here in uh, in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, it's at a really basic level, it means a major shock to the to the economy. When we first started recutting our forecasts, essentially what we're doing is trying to work out what's it going to mean if we if we take international tourists out of the equation and start restricting some of the activities that are that are taking place, and that uh, that led us to having a, a, a short contraction in in the second quarter and and some weakness in the first quarter of this this year. Uh, now, when we're talking about the whole economy in shop in shutdown. Uh, essentially nothing happening um, in terms of normal retail sales and services apart from supermarkets. We're talking about the economy contracting well over 10% uh, in the in the second quarter of this year that we're just uh, we're into now. And so it's, a, it's just a much bigger contraction, a much bigger hit to larger parts of the economy. Um, things like the unemployment rate now we've got going higher than what we did uh, when we were cutting our earlier forecasts. So it's a, it's a big shock to the economy. And at the same time, the government's doing a big job of, of filling in the pothole, if you like, of, of income that, that takes the hit um, with with these massive uh, expenditure plans that they're, uh, that they're unrolling at the moment. And that, we'll come on to the sort of government support, which has been quite, quite impressive, uh, not just here, but around the world. But how, are there a particular industries within the economy that are being hit uh, harder than others in your eyes well first up's the the tourist sector uh, that that took that that's that's just non-existent now right uh, with international tourists going and then us all stuck inside we can't even have domestic tourism as a um, as a as a fill-in uh, like we were thinking in our earlier forecasts but now with with the shutdown it, it spreads to the the services parts of the economy, uh, restaurants, uh, cafes, uh, bars, everything that we normally do to spend money uh, at uh, is, is closed. So we're seeing that now when we look at, uh, at things like electronic uh, spending data for last week, we can just see that spending's been uh, completely disappeared from a number of areas. Uh, now and and that leads to this big drop in economic activity that we're talking about. So if I think of purely economic activity, on the one hand, uh, we were just talking before, our jobs carry on as normal and we're just doing them from home. But in terms of our output, uh, it's 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 hopefully the same. We're just doing it a different way. Uh, on the other hand, uh, a cafe uh, or a or a restaurant now can't do anything at all. So. Hence, we get overall this big hit to economic activity and, and the economy contracting. We think at the moment by about 15%. Okay. And then um, does, the, does the length of the lockdown obviously has impacts on um, how the economy is going to you know, get sort of worse um, and also how quickly it will come out of recovery? Is there, is, is, are, we, are we hoping that the lockdown doesn't get extended or does it not make too much of an impact? Yeah, abs absolutely. The the length of the lockdown has a has a big impact, and I think what everyone's hoping is that the is that the the short sharp shock um, of shutting down um, 
containing the the virus, taking the pressure off the healthcare system, ultimately means that we can get back into it uh, uh, in a few months. Uh, if that's not the case, uh, then it takes longer. The economic hit gets bigger. The government needs to do more work to support people. And and really, in that vein, we're looking so hard at the economies that are now coming out the other, or look like they're coming out the other side of it. Uh, so how China is is going as they come out of lockdown, how uh, South Korea is going. Those are really important guides for us to see see what happens next, and and whether these uh, really tough measures. Uh, contain the spread of their virus, and then people can get slowly back on with uh, with their lives and and with with their work. Uh, that'll be a story we hope for uh, for for sort of June, July uh, onwards, and and start to see a bounce back in activity in the third quarter of the year. But it's going to take us a few years to get back to where we would be if it wasn't for this uh, this lockdown, one way or another. And then, sort of taking a little bit more granular so you've talked about the economy if we sort of move down to sort of companies and there are a lot of companies particularly in New Zealand who pay say uh, dividends and we've seen obviously share markets fall back and we've seen a bit of a recovery um, but for, for people who've got invested in shares who have uh, the companies paying dividends are we going to see um, those be affected in the because of uh, COVID-19? Yeah, there, there's a, a lot. Well, a lot. A lot of companies are obviously going to take a uh, an earnings hit over the uh, over the current quarter, and that'll impact their ability to pay a, a dividend. A company like Air New Zealand's probably the best example where they are just having to make massive changes, uh, and they won't return to any sort of profitability until we come out the other side of this this shutdown. So that has an impact. And there's other companies in between, like the uh, the utility companies, power generators, etc., where um, they'll be seeing less less power usage from, from companies while they're shut down, more power use from, from people at, at home. Uh, but as we get back to business over the uh, over the next quarter or so, um, they'll they'll continue on their on their ways of being uh, reasonable uh, profitable businesses and 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 decent dividend payers. So it will be mixed and and it will be influenced by how long we carry on. But that dividend yield is a uh, is an important part of the investment story for the New Zealand share market, and uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. And I'm sure a number of companies will want to get back to paying dividends as quickly as they can. And a lot of people would have invested in the New Zealand share market because of the dividends, because interest rates were so low, and then the government responded uh, at the beginning of COVID nineteen with quite a bold uh, cut. Um, of the official cash rate, which will you know, obviously mean interest rates are going to be, uh, to coin our phrase, uh, lower for longer or much lower for longer now. Um, but uh, sort of bonds and fixed interest seems to get um, sort of not really talked about. And so uh, the government have reduced the official cash rate. Uh, but are they doing anything else around sort of fixed interest and bonds to help help those types of markets? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and I feel I, f I really feel for for savers in, in this sort of environment, particularly conservative savers, some of our elder savers, um, because these these low interest rates are just so so tough on them. So you're right. Firstly, the Reserve Bank cut the official cash rate uh, down to a quarter of a percent. We haven't seen big drops down in term deposits off the off the back of that. Uh, they're already low, and they haven't got much lower since then. 
but we have seen some really big movements in bond markets. Some of this was more to do with just the outright volatility we saw during in March and, and all markets. But the Reserve Bank is now in the bond market buying government bonds each each week to try and keep those government bond yields low. The government itself is really stepping up issuance into the bond market because now they're running these big deficits to try and keep the economy going. And the Reserve Bank will be will be buying a lot of those bonds uh, through their uh, through their operations. The end result is. Uh, Yields were volatile for a few weeks there. They were bouncing up and down a lot. Uh, now they're back down to being incredibly low. So something like a government bond, a 10-year government bond yields back down close to 1% at the moment. So we're seeing incredibly low uh, yields in the fixed interest markets. We're seeing the government intervening. One area where we're not seeing such low yields is the corporate bond market. Corporate bonds have actually the yields have actually increased. And again, that's a little bit of a sign of investor caution, some worry about the, the outlook for companies. And they're still very low on a historic basis, but we have seen a lift in corporate bond yields over the last uh, couple of couple of weeks as investors reassess the outlook for some of those uh, corporates. And a lot of investors will have a proportion of their investments in government stock, or government bonds, sorry, and uh, corporate uh, bonds. And I suppose... The government, I suppose, is trying to bring some stability to that part of people's portfolio. Is that the is that the idea where they're buying they're buying bonds? Well, ultimately, what the Reserve Bank wants is interest rates to stay low in the economy, to uh, and and the system to to function well, so businesses can borrow and the government can borrow at low rates and 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 stimulate activity through investments. So. That's good news for for those companies um, and and good news for people with mortgages. Um, it's 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 a bit mixed. It depends where you're coming into it from a an investor perspective. But you're right. That message we've had of lower for longer in the in the fixed interest space and in the term deposit space. Well, I don't know how many um, times we can tack a new word on the front. Even lower for even longer. Um, or, or some people are starting to say lower forever. Uh, I don't think it'll be lower forever, but it's certainly interest rates I think are going to be low for uh, for several years ahead of us. Maybe moving on a little bit, the um, one of the things I'm hearing a lot is, oh, this is just like the uh, GFC, the global financial crisis. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is the response from governments has been just incredible. Like, the figures that uh, people are quoting, like trillion dollars and hundreds of billions of dollars, it seems to be a very different response to COVID-19 than to sort of the GFC. And uh, maybe sort of to help people who are listening. So what what are the what are sort of uh, governments trying to do by these huge stimulus packages? What are they actually trying to achieve by doing that? Yeah, it's it's right. People are comparing this to the global financial crisis, but in the name, there's the answer. Uh, it was a financial crisis that sent shockwaves through the economy. Now we've got a a, a, a crisis in the economy that's uh, it's a health crisis that's causing shockwaves uh, to the economy and in turn impacting. Uh, the financial sector. So it's a bit different from the global financial crisis in that sense. But a lot of the answers to how to get through it are the same as the global financial crisis. Central banks need to get interest rates low and they need to make sure that there's plenty of liquidity 
in the in the financial system this means when people want to raise money or people want to get money out of stocks or people want to um put money into or out of the banking system that's able to happen as it as it usually does so the reserve bank's done that that work with their um with their efforts so far by cutting the official cash rate uh by entering into the government bond bond market so the difference between now and the global financial crisis is this has happened so swiftly from the government's perspective the government has got a bigger job to do in this situation than the uh, than the reserve bank does because we're seeing incomes getting hit because of the, the shutdown and this is where the government's coming in by and and replacing that income so supporting people that have lost their their wages uh, supporting businesses to make sure that they can get loans and things, other measures like the uh, the rent freeze to just try and create some stability for um, for, for tenants, etc. So there's all sorts of policies that the government's uh, coming up with, and we haven't seen the last of them yet. They'll keep on tuning those policies. But just like the the Reserve Bank, what's impressive now and different from the global financial crisis is this is all happening right at the start. Uh, and so uh, that, that's just an amazing response. And it gives me confidence in our forecast that we should see a good recovery coming out the outside, uh, out the other side of this uh, once the uh, once the medical situation allows. But are we potentially, and people have been asking me this, are we sort of kicking the can down the road for a few? Are we setting ourselves up for some challenging years ahead by just borrowing all this money? Oh, there's no doubt that this has a, has a cost on, on future generations. Uh, there's a good analogy that it's a little bit like an oven. Uh, you can't just let the oven go completely cold and then expect it to be back working quickly. You want to keep it warm. Uh, that's what you're trying to do at times like this, but there's a cost for, there's a cost for that. All the money that the government's putting in the economy has to be borrowed and that will mean that the government carries more debt uh, over over future years than would have otherwise been the case and it's our governments both uh, the current one and, and and earlier governments going back about 20 years have worked really hard to get debt down to an incredibly low level about 20 percent of gdp um, that's low on a global standard it's low by new zealand standard but it's going to get back up we think it could get back up to 50 percent of gdp so future generations will have to pay for that there is a cost uh, the good thing is at the moment that interest rate cost on that debt is so low about one one percent um in the global financial crisis governments were paying a lot more for their for their borrowings than they are today that's for sure but there is a there's no doubt there's a cost of these policies but it's the right thing to do and so when, uh, Chris, you're, when you're sitting at home in your um, luxurious uh, Unihunga um, uh, villa, what are, you, um, what are sort of things are you watching at the moment to sort of keep, uh, keep abreast of? Because I know it's moving very quickly, but what are some of the maybe two or three things that you're watching on a daily basis to, see, uh, to inform what's going on? Well, I think the, the, the first thing is that traditional economic forecasts go a little bit out the window at the moment uh, because the situation changes so much. So I've been looking at at real high frequency data like credit card spending to confirm how how people are behaving. And we're seeing things which are understandable, a massive step up in the amount of expenditure at supermarkets over recent weeks. And and virtually no expenditure now in, in, in bars and restaurants. Um, and and I'd expect none at all 
going going forward from from most uh, bars and bars and restaurants as they're almost all all closed but that's really really important now to see where the pressure on businesses is going to be coming through and it'll be really important once we slowly start to open up to see how how people spend going forward the other thing that i think is really important to keep an eye on for us as forecasters um, but also for for people in general is just how these measures are, are, are working no, no one expects this lockdown to have an immediate effect of stopping people from getting sick. Um, it's a case of, of containing the uh, the contagion and and trying to spread the load over for the medical profession. And seeing how that works is really important, uh, both here and and abroad. So I've been really encouraged by some of the international statistics. Really disappointed uh, until recently with the American response to the situation um, and and here um, I'll be really looking hard over the next 10 days or so to see what happens with the daily reporting cases of new cases of COVID-19 now that we've really stepped up the uh, the testing measures and in other words I'm just looking for signs that this is working and then once it does look like it's working uh, signs of how people spend once we come out the other side so we can work out how quickly the economy can bounce back and one, th- one thing um, I'm, I'm following quite closely obviously are the share markets but i suppose it's those in the last few days or last five days have just been quite incredible really we had this sort of blind panic and huge uh, downward um, pressure on share markets around the world but then it's just sort of um i don't know if it's the bottom but it just seems to have sort of we've had some quite big increases in the last few days has been pretty much sort of calm i think would maybe be the word to use that's uh, um that's quite an interesting sort of recovery or um view that markets just seem to have just sort of settled a little bit do you do you see that continuing or is that just uh, sort of uh, what happens and we're expecting some more uh, volatility uh, as we go through the lockdown yeah that's a that's a really interesting question and there's a few bits to the answer on on that front um the, the first one is uh, around uh, 23, 24, 25 March, we saw a tremendous volatility in markets. There was just a lot of people wanting to get money out. Um, at that time, we saw share markets really weak, really volatile. And these were those days of the big um, movements, close to 10%, and a lot of demand for US dollars around the world. Uh, that's the main reserve currency. The majority of transactions take place using using US dollars as one part of the uh, of the currency pair. So that was when we saw big movements in bond markets, big movement in share markets, big movements in currency markets. That was the time when central banks also really started stepping into markets to try and create some calm, make sure there's plenty of liquidity. And that's it's worked so far, so we've seen those policies work. Uh, bond markets have calmed down, currency markets have calmed down, share markets have taken a lot of encouragement from that, but also from these spending plans from government really starting to um, to kick into place. You know, the the US politicians finally got their two point two trillion dollar rescue package or rescue bill sorted out and into into law. Markets were encouraged by that. Here we're starting to see the data showing that the um, that the money from the government's uh, spending plans is, is in people's bank accounts. So these policies are in play now, and that's been encouraging for for share markets too. I don't think it's all over. There'll be more bad news to come. Markets don't like uncertainty, so we're probably going to see some more down days. But there's been a lot of measures put in place, so we don't see that 
really high level of stress like we were seeing in, in late March, hopefully. Um, the other thing that the last week is a reminder of, and this is just like the global financial crisis, is markets will start responding positively, not because all the clouds clear and, and flags are waved saying it's all over, but just when there's some real pivotal moments. And these big spending packages from governments around the world were pivotal moments. The other pivotal moments that I think we'll see over the over the coming month is just where those those cases go. And this is that bit I was talking about before, where we're really looking for signs that these shutdown measures that are hurting the economy so much at the moment are actually working for so solving the problem. I think when we start to see a slowdown and 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 the number of new cases uh, coming through in the states, that'll be really encouraging. On the same note. Um, We'll be nervously watching to see how uh, economies like uh, China, for example, press through once they get back to work. So there's plenty more things to watch that markets will respond to over the uh, over the coming weeks and months. That's for sure. That's for sure. And then um, and then finally, I suppose um, we've talked about this before, and you're, you're always really hot on it about sort of dealing in the facts rather than sort of you know some of this fake news and speculation and stuff. Is there there are a couple of places where you would recommend people go to? to uh, get information about what's going on generally? Any sort of websites or, or publications that you look at that would be helpful? Yeah, I, I, I think there definitely are. I mean, I look at I look each uh, each day at the uh, at the international websites that are that are showing the number of uh, new cases. So the World Health Organization uh, website is 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 one for that. Uh, there's a John Hopkins Medical website that has the global cases of uh, of COVID nineteen. Those are the source of truth as far as I'm concerned. And likewise, the COVID nineteen government website is my source the truth uh, and the and the live broadcasts what I'd put to add, add to the mix on that is um, I look at those all the time because I'm trying to provide really up-to-date forecasts to help our clients with their decisions but it's really important not to go too nuts uh, on it too there's a lot of repeated information uh, you can tend to go round and round and round on issues but those are good sources of truth where things are at and I, I quite like the um, Minister of uh, Finance and and the Prime Minister's comments that that they are our source of truth on this. So so hence why I look to their their releases for information on what's happening in the economy. Yeah, I'm the same. I also uh, you know I think I listen to the one o'clock sort of uh, news bulletin just to sort of see what's happening. Also, uh, if you're more if you're sort of ASB customers as well, the ASB website actually is uh, is a really good place to go to get information about COVID nineteen, what's going on. You know, simple things about what branches are open, but also how bank, uh, how the bank can help as well. So I think that's a that's a good source of truth as well, and uh, lots of information in this sort of in these crazy times. But uh, hey, Chris, I might bring it to an end there. It's been, um, I think it's well, like like the last week, it's been a bit surreal doing it um, <laughs> via my headset, and I can't see you, and I, I haven't got a glass of red wine in my hand. But uh, just again, thanks for all your your comments and. Uh, uh, the clear way of explaining things, I really appreciate it, and I'll let you get back to your uh, day job sitting in Owen Hunger. Yeah, that's excellent. Thanks, uh, Jonathan. And, and yeah, I just reinforce that message that uh, the, the the ASB website's a really good place to go for people looking for for updates and information on on what we're thinking about all sorts of issues, you know, the economy, what it means for mortgages, and all of those sorts of things. Because it is an unusual time where we're all working from places but it's great to be able to talk to you exactly all right keep safe and keep safe to everyone who's listening and uh, speak to you again soon okay bye-bye cheers thanks for joining us today on the asb investment podcast 
If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. 